Well, good morning and welcome to the Chase Family Church podcast. Today we have myself speaking, Kev Nash, and I'm going to be speaking on Jesus, the Lamb of God, and how we can be more like John the Baptist, pointing in everything we do towards Jesus. Now, today we're going to be thinking about Jesus as the Lamb of God and what that means and how John spoke about him. And we're going to think about the fact that Jesus is the Lamb of God. He was the one foretold, the one that was anointed. And then we're going to look about how we can become more like John the Baptist. So if you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to John 1, 19. And we're going to read down to 35. So here we go. Now, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And then, and they asked him, uh, what then are you, Elijah, he said? No, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Betharabah, I don't know how you say that, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I come baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testify that this is Son, the Son of God. So here we have John the Baptist. And we're reading it from, um, from the book of John. So just to give us a little bit of context, um, John the Baptist and John who wrote the gospel are two different people. Now, you may know that John the Baptist was born of Elizabeth and Zachariah, and he was a relative of Jesus. 
John was about six months old when Jesus was born. And we see that in the end of Luke, of, um, chapter 1, verse 80. And it tells us, so the child grew and became strong in spirit. Um, and he was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. So basically till the day that he started his ministry. So there was John living in the wilderness until he started his ministry. And he was preaching a baptism of repentance. Now, John's dad, Zechariah, he was a priest who was from the tribe of Levi. So he was a descendant of Aaron. So following the family line, he could carry out the duties of a priest. So before the events we read about here in John 1, Jesus came to John to be baptized. And this can be read in Matthew 3, Mark 1 as well. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God um, was sent um, sent to Jesus. And he went then in the power of the Spirit into the desert to be tested. So this can again all be read in Matthew and, um, and the book of Mark and in Luke 4. So there we have John the Baptist and in this passage we're reading about how he points towards Jesus, the Lamb of God. So the Jews in Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin or the High Commission Court, they sent these people to John um, and these men, they had great authority. But they didn't have the authority to question John. They shouldn't have been questioning him him on his baptism of repentance. It seemed almost like there was an Ofsted that was sent in to question John about what he was doing. But they shouldn't have been doing that because of his family line. But there was worry um, within the leadership of the church. And they were worried about Um, almost like an uprising happening because of what John was preaching. And he was preaching this baptism of repentance. So basically, um, in this interview um, that we read about in the passage that I just read, John denied being the Messiah. He denied being Elijah. He, um, Elijah, sorry, um, and he used the words of Isaiah. So in verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. So he used those words from Isaiah that they would have known so well. See, John knew exactly who he was, and he knew more importantly who Jesus is. Have you ever been to um, a national gallery or some national trust places and you've noticed a painting of John the Baptist? Has anyone ever seen those? And so often he is portrayed as somebody with a lamb or pointing to a lamb. See, John's whole purpose, his whole ministry was to point to Jesus His ministry wasn't to be the best preacher. His ministry wasn't to be the best rabbi or the best baptizer that um, got people under without them choking. His ministry, his number one goal in all of this was to point to Jesus. So there we are, John. He sees Jesus coming out of the wilderness. And verse 29, he says, um, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So why does John refer 
to Jesus as the lamb and talk about sin. Well, John was referencing um, what was so well known in those days as the sacrifices in the temple. So they, they would have, there was this emblem of the meekness and the mildness that came from the lamb. And he was referencing Christ being led to the um, slaughter like a lamb. And in those days, people would have been so acutely aware of the fact that lambs were slaughtered morning and evening, so often in the temple, to cleanse sin. They would have known that. And also, they would have thought about the way that the lamb's blood was used in the Passover, being painted on the doorpost to save the Israelites from the angel of death. So this this language, this imagery of the lamb saving the people, they would have been so aware of. And then John says, here comes the lamb. And then they, so they would have been able to kind of reconcile that in their minds as to what that meant. But see, Jesus was so different as the sacrificial than the sacrificial lamb in the temple because John said in, in verse 29 that he would take away the sin of the world. So he came as that mediator, didn't he, between us and God and he took the guilt of sin by his death. Something that all mankind live under that we know so well. He took away the power of sin by his grace. See, the blood of Jesus washes us clean, and we know that. We know the difference that that makes. And um, Jesus dying on the cross enabled us to know the Father. And the big, big difference that we see in this from the temple sacrifices is the temple sacrifices were for, in that moment, that one-off sacrifice. Yet Jesus' sacrifice is for past, present, and future, isn't it? So we can have that confidence knowing that when we mess up, when we do something wrong, Jesus has died for those things that we get wrong. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that such a comfort, knowing that blessing that when I do get things wrong, Jesus has already paid the price for that. Is that not good, church? Yes. And I know and I have confidence that I can go directly to the Father because of Jesus, because I'm forgiven. I don't need a priest to mediate between me and the Father. I have Jesus that is that mediator for me, going to the Father and saying, do you know what? That Kev, he's all right. Yeah, he's messed up, but he's all right. I've, I've covered that sin for him. Isn't that amazing? See, sin no longer has a hold over me or you. It doesn't matter what it is. We may sit there and think, do you know what, this is it. I've done too much now. I've gone too far. But do you know what? As Jesus looks at you, he says, no. He says, no, you haven't. He says, I have paid for that. And we can go to the Father and say, sorry. We can say, hey, I've messed up. There is no sin that is too bad, too great for Jesus to forgive. So I think, yeah, we we know this stuff, don't we? Those of us that have been kicking around long enough know this. But sometimes we need a reminder, don't we, in our hearts? 
Sometimes we need that reminder um, of what Jesus has done for us. So here we have, back to our story, John, he points to the one that is foretold. So verse 30 says this, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. 31, I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. So John saw Jesus coming and he said, look, there he is. This is the one that I have been telling you about. And you can almost imagine it. There he is. And this, he's been leading up to this, his whole ministry, ready for Jesus when he comes. And there he finally comes. And he gets to say to everyone, look, look, this is the one that I have been talking about. Now, what's really interesting in this passage is that it says that John didn't know Jesus. Even though they were related, he didn't know him. So remember, John had spent his whole life until his ministry in the wilderness. And scholars actually believe that he wouldn't have even known what Jesus looked like and that they had met when John baptized him. And God revealed to John who Jesus was in that moment. And the Bible tells us in that moment that the heavens were ripped open and this was just this most amazing moment when the audible um, voice of God was heard saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Matthew 3.17. So for John not to know Jesus was almost an advantage because it, they hadn't been plotting and working out when the big reveal was going to come and when he was going to be able to point to Jesus. See, people would have been waiting for this promised Messiah. They would have been waiting for him. And John referred to him as the one foretold, referencing Isaiah, as we said earlier, and remembering uh, and reminding people of what his job was. Um, and it was decreed so long ago. See, John points to Jesus both literally in person when he was there and to what Jesus was doing eternally as well. And remember, that was the whole point of John's ministry, for him to point to Jesus. John also points to God's anointing on Jesus. So for John, the proof of the pudding was in the seeing, not the tasting. So for, um, in John, um, chapter, um, in, in this chapter, verse 32 and verse 34, it says, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So he testifies or he points to the moment when Jesus was baptized and he saw the dove, he saw the Holy Spirit come down from heaven descending on Jesus. And it was almost like this commissioning from God and saying, this is it. This is my son whom I love. It wasn't a crown put on his head. It wasn't a big procession. It was better than that. 
It was the Holy Spirit empowering him and descending on him. Now, remember, the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift is given from above, James 1.17. And the dove, again, is this symbol of meekness and mildness and gentleness. And we remember the dove in Genesis when he brought this olive branch um, of peace to Noah. And Jesus being like the branch of peace to the world. The Spirit descended upon Jesus permanently. It wasn't like in the Old Testament where you hear stories of like Samson, where the Spirit came in that moment for him. This is a symbol and, and, and almost like a foretelling of how things had changed. The Spirit descended permanently on Jesus as it does with us. And then we, we read um, in Acts, don't we, of how the Spirit came at Pentecost. The disciples in that moment, in that locked room, they receive the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just in that moment. It was a gift to be with them for their entire lives. And there we have this picture of the Spirit descending on Jesus and this, this, the Spirit descending on the disciples at Pentecost empowering them to do the work that Jesus had sent them um, to do. So Acts 2, um, we can read about that. And we read about this mighty wind from heaven that comes. And again, it's this good and perfect gift that comes from God. And I don't know about you, but I think we so need the Holy Spirit in our lives, don't we? Yeah, a couple of people think that. Good. <laughs> and it is this gift from heaven to us. See, we need the Holy Spirit daily in our lives to empower us, don't we? But I just think, actually, my walk with Jesus wouldn't happen if I didn't have the Holy Spirit. I can't do this on my own. I need the power of the Holy Spirit um, alongside me each and every day. See, John's mission was to point Jesus to the Lamb of God. John knew the significance of Jesus, and he was so desperate for people to know about it. And there are so many things we hear about in the world where people are passionate about something, and they want people to know. Now, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but you think about it. Think about situations like climate change. So there are demonstrations where people target the fashion industry, don't they? And some years ago, there was um, demonstrations where um, there was um, things at airports and Westminster and people locally. They were so passionate about it. They wanted the world to know. Um, and they wanted to point people to the injustice in it and say that this is happening. We need to do something about it. They want others to take up the same mantle that they had, and they wanted to, they want to communicate their message. But actually, shouldn't we be so passionate about communicating what Jesus has done? I'm not saying we go on demonstrations and we lay down in front of Parliament about it, but actually in the conversations that we have. Like how, many, how many of us this week, um, and I'm, I'm putting my hand up as well in this moment, how many of us have had conversations about stuff that is happening in Ukraine and Russia? 
How many of us have told people about Jesus? Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? But actually, I know for myself, I've talked way more about the local news and the national news than about Jesus. Because it's, it's the things that we talk about. But actually, John the Baptist, as he was, as we're reading this passage, he was pointing people to Jesus. That was his sole mission. And actually, we know from scriptures that that is our calling, isn't it? We are called to go and make disciples of all nations. See, the impact of what Jesus was going to do was so massive that John could not stop talking about it. And, and I think I would love to be more like that, wouldn't you? Okay, let's again be honest about this. Who finds it scary? It's hard, isn't it? It's really, really hard to take those opportunities and to talk about Jesus sometimes. Because sometimes we worry, we have fear, we, we worry about being judged, about the reactions of people. We worry about, I don't know, maybe it's a professional thing as well and how that will look or if we'll lose friends. There's so many things that kind of fear creeps in from, from almost from the devil to, to stop us doing these things. And it's those things that we need to push back and say no to. And we need to push forward to Jesus. And we know that we need to be intentional about this. So um, and a number of weeks back, um, we decided as a, as a staff team and um, the elders decided that they would start to invest more in evangelism and actually teaching us how we can do this effectively. So for the past few weeks, as you know, we have been in training and we haven't been doing Monday mornings. Um, and we've been training specifically in evangelism and how we go and share the gospel with those around us. So the last two weeks has, has been a bit nerve wracking for us, I must admit, because we have been kicked out the door onto the streets to go door knocking and to talk to people and say, hey, like we just want to love our community. How can we pray? <laughs> um, and, and so there we are. So um, a couple of weeks back, um, I went out, and we, we all went out, those of us that are training, and I was with Deb, and we went and we, we knocked on probably about 20 houses. Um, and time after time, people didn't want us to pray. And they just said, no, thank you, and, and they're very polite and closed the door. Um, but then we had this one significant um, conversation with somebody who just said, yes, actually, I need prayer. And this person explained a little bit about what they needed prayer for. Um, and on the door there, we were able to pray for them. And actually, for us to step out of our comfort zone, for us to go and knock on these few doors, and I don't know, we were probably out for 30 minutes, something like that. Yet we have impacted somebody so greatly because we were able to pray for them. Um, and and we, we were nervous about it, and we were worried about it, but yet God powered through on that. And this last Monday, I wasn't around, um, but um, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, and Pete and Deb um, were out on the, the streets again um, with the rest of the team, and they're going to come and tell a story about what happened when they went knocking on houses. So guys, why don't you come grab microphones and just tell your story. Okay, so um, 
So we, uh, we went out knocking and um, we had a few houses in the road that we were knocking. There was actually no one in. One of them was, I think, a for sale house, wasn't it? Yeah, so they weren't in. They weren't in and it was like, no, no, no one's there, no one's there. Um, and then um, we finally got to this guy. I'm not going to tell you what his name was, um, but you can call him Dennis if you want to pray for him. God knows what his real name is. So um, we met this guy on the doorstep and he answered the door. And we were talking to him, and we asked him if he wanted prayer for anything. He said no, and so we thought, oh, okay. Um, but we just felt, you know, that we should continue chatting. And um, he w we were talking about God, you know, we were talking about philosophy. He actually studied philosophy. Um, so, you know, that was, that was quite interesting because, you know, he was saying that he didn't really feel like there was kind of a need for God in his life and, you know, those kinds of things. And all the while, we were kind of thinking, oh, should we move on? But actually, we, we, we decided to kind of just keep, keep talking to him, and we stayed. And then something very interesting happened. That's my cue. Yeah. Um, and then, no, he actually asked us in for a cup of tea. And um, he was in his dressing gown at the time, and I think he just wanted to sit down, basically. <laughs> so, so he invited us in, and we kind of moved away slightly from philosophy. And what was very interesting for me was that he was a musician. And I thought, Pete's a musician. Uh. So, it was, so <laughs> it was really great because it was a connection point. Um, and he was, I don't know, he was kind of a young guy, 30s maybe, I don't know. But I, I just I kind of wondered where I was going to connect with him. So we were talking about music and I was expecting him to kind of go for all the music of now, which would be <laughs> over my head. And he's starting to talk about, I said, you know, what kind of music do you like? Oh, Simon and Garfunkel and the Beatles and what was the other one? Uh, Beach Boys. So I'm just, we're away. I mean, we were just, <laughs> you know, we were just talking. It was brilliant. I loved it. So we were sort of chatting away. And then at the end, I said, you know, what about Alpha? And I explained what that was. He wasn't interested. He said, I'm, I'm a bit of a bit of a loner or something. But. I, so we sort of said, okay, but do you mind if we come again? He said, yeah, sure. So we've kind of got, we've made a connection with this guy now, and it was so exciting. <laughs> it really was. And uh, so we came back really bubbling over. And I, I think it's just that thing of the Lord giving you a little connection point, however small that is, however tenuous, that may be nothing to do with the gospel, but that doesn't matter. It's a start. So, praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's give him a round of applause. So, God, God is on the move, and we are we are excited on one on one hand about um, going out and being able to talk to people, and as I say, completely nervous on the other hand um, because it is pushing us out of our comfort zone, and it's it's those all those fears that kind of creep in again about the rejection and what people are going to think and that kind of stuff. But yet, over those two couple of weeks, um, we have impacted there was um on the on the first week as well there was susan and pete went to some houses of people that just just need support and then we had conversations about how we can actually support them as a church and they're literally at the end of our road and we we never would have known about them unless we had gone knocking on their doors and actually that is how we can be jesus in our community and it's what we're called to do. John the Baptist pointed to Jesus. 
keeps constantly pointing to Jesus. There he is. And how much do we do that? How much do we point to Jesus and say, there he is? How much do we get so excited about the amazing things that Jesus has done in our lives that we just have to tell people about it? And, and it, isn't, it isn't easy. There was, um, this week I was, um, um, it's, it's, it's a bit dull and boring, but I was learning to drive a kind of bigger truck thing. Um, so I was on a course for it. And um, the first day I got home, Rachel said, did you do the three circles with him? Did you tell him about Jesus? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Um, and I was stuck in this, in, this, um, in this truck with this guy for like eight hours. Um, and I didn't take that opportunity. Um, and, and I'm saying it because it's hard, isn't it? I realise that. I'm not, I'm not saying this today because I think it's easy. It is hard. And there are going to be times when we're going to miss out on those opportunities. Um, but actually what's important is we keep trying and we keep taking the next opportunity that we find. And we really need to be like John. We need to prepare the way for Jesus in people's lives. We need to point to Jesus um, and we need, we need those characteristics of um, the dove and the lamb that we've, we've mentioned earlier, that gentleness, that meekness as we go out and we talk to people, um, the compassion and the love. And actually, that's what, that's what we say when we've been taught to say over these few weeks, when we knock on the doors, hey, we're just here to, to I can't remember the words now, what is it? Bless the community. There we go. Right, okay. Um, we're here to bless the community. We're here to love our community. We're not doing anything weird and spiritual with them. We just want to talk to them. We just want to tell them about the, the impact and the change that Jesus has had on our lives. And actually, the reason we are learning this as a, as a team now is because we want this to become the DNA of our church. We want this to be something that we're all doing. Um, and it's not just a little group of us that are going to become really great at this and we're going to keep it to ourselves. We want all of you guys here, you guys online as well, to be learning the things that we're learning to go out and use in, um, in your local communities. Because what difference would it make if we could knock on the doors of the people down our road? And I'm sure we've all got people down our roads that we've just never met. Maybe we've seen them, never spoken to them. But how different could it be if we started to knock on their door and just start to love our local community? And I think for Rachel and I, with the um, prospect of moving into the area, we're so acutely aware of how we can do this differently in our, than how we have where we live at the moment. Um, there are many times when we would say that we haven't necessarily taken every opportunity or even been intentional. There are people that probably don't even know that we're Christians in our local area. Um, and I think it came to a, a pinnacle point um, one year where um, there was, a, there was a, an older guy that lived, um, um, you can get out of the back of our house into some garages and stuff, um, and he passed away. Um, and the fact that we'd never told him about Jesus um, was just hard because we didn't take those opportunities. We'd known him for years, and yet we didn't take those opportunities. Um, and so actually as we move into as we move into Enfield we're thinking how can we be intentional how can we use the home that God is going to give us for his glory how can we build community around 
um, us and show the love of Jesus to those that are on our doorstep and get people into the kingdom. Won't that be exciting? How different will Chase Family Church look if we all did that and brought our neighbours to know Jesus? Maybe not everybody will come along to here, um, and that's okay, um, because we wouldn't cope in this building, would we, if all of us brought ten neighbours? Um, but actually, the kingdom would benefit from that, wouldn't Amen. it? And the kingdom would expand, and people would be one for the Lord, and the devil would have no hold over them. And is that not what we want to see? Yes, we do. Okay. Um, but the reality also is there is no way that we can do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. So in that moment when Jesus was baptized, there was that symbol of the dove coming down, the Holy Spirit anointing him. And what does the Bible say when he went into the desert to be tested? He went in power of the Holy Spirit. Well, he was led by the Holy Spirit. And he had the power of the Holy Spirit as he went into those trials and those temptations. And actually, before we go out, we, stand, we were standing in, that, um, in the small hall and we were like, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit right now. There is no way we are doing this in our power, only in your power. And actually, we've seen the fruit of that. We've seen the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Um, and that is, I guess, it's a dangerous prayer, but it should be a daily prayer, isn't it? Lord, empower me by your Holy Spirit to tell people about you. And actually, if we pray that daily, I think we will see change. I think we will see things happen. But as a warning, it's a dangerous prayer. Because if we pray it, the Lord's going to do it. Yeah. There's no point in us praying it and then thinking, Lord, please don't actually do that. <laughs> Let's pray it, expecting that the Lord is going to move. So church, why don't you stand with me? Band, come back up. And there's a couple of things that I want us to respond to today. Um, one, I just, as I was preparing this, I just felt actually there might be people here that want more anointing of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's somebody that feels that um, the Holy Spirit has never really worked through them. And they want to see the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And if that's you, we want to pray for you. We would love to see that moment where the Holy Spirit descends like it did on Jesus and empowers you to know him and to, um, to work in his power. Um, but also, if, if you're sat here today and you're like, Lord, I want to be like John the Baptist. I want to be out there telling people more about you. I'm scared. But by your spirit, lead me. So if that is you today, I would love again to pray for you. There's a, there's a whole bunch of us that can come and pray. So as we worship, um, I'm going to suggest that you come forward um, as that symbol of, yes, this is me. I want more. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of people around um, that will come and pray for you. And, um, and let's see what God does this morning. So let me pray as we go into worship. Father God, I want to thank you that we do not stand here alone. We are not fighting this corner for you on our own, but we are doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that 
today, this morning, as we reflect on what I've just said, that you would give us the boldness to come to the front and to say, Lord, I want more of your spirit. I want to be um, anointed by your Holy Spirit. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and tell people about you. So Lord, I pray that we would see this morning a fresh anointing, a fresh excitement for you and what you call us to do. That we would stand under the command of go and make disciples of all nations. That we would be the John the Baptist and say, look, there's the Lamb of God. He has taken away the sins of the world. That we would love our communities. So Holy Spirit, fall afresh right now. I do pray that today's message will have blessed you. Again, if there's anything you need prayer for, do get in touch.